Hi, I'm David Green, and you're listening to the Digital HR Leaders Podcast. As we all know, the current talent marketplace is a whirlwind of change and uncertainty. Companies are grappling with layoffs, recruitment surges, and what has been dubbed in the press as the Great Resignation. Today, I'm thrilled to bring you a truly exceptional guest who has been leading the charge in this domain. Joining us is Piyush Mehta, Chief Human Resources Officer at Genpact, a global professional services firm renowned for its expertise in digital transformation. Piyush is a true advocate for enhancing the employee experience, and he has spearheaded remarkable strategies at Genpact to ensure their workforce thrives in the face of market volatility. In our conversation today, we will explore the importance of employee experience in this candidate-driven market. Piyush will share his insights on how organisations can attract and, more importantly, retain the best talent by creating a workplace that goes beyond the ordinary. We'll also explore Genpack's unique employee listening strategy, which is centred around its groundbreaking platform, Amber. Piyush will explain how Amber works, how it captures valuable employee sentiment, and how that data is utilised to drive meaningful change within the organisation. We'll also uncover how Genpact has translated employee feedback into actionable policies and operational improvements, resulting in a workplace where employees feel heard, valued and motivated. I'm excited to delve into the role of people analytics and technology in shaping the employee experience at Genpact. So without further ado, let's get started, where Piyush kicks off the conversation with a brief introduction to himself and his role at Genpact. I work for Genpact. Uh, we are a professional business services company, roughly about 120,000 people at last count across 30 plus countries. I'm based out of uh, India, which is where a large part of our employee group is. And um, the balance of the leadership team of Genpact is uh, a virtual leadership team, which is pretty much uh, across the world where our clients are um, re- really close to them. In terms of my background, I have been CHRO at Genpact for the last, I want to say it's, you know, I'm I'm counting now, it's um, 17 years uh, of being in the same role. And I've been 21 years with this company, Um, joined them when we were much, much, much smaller and a part of uh, the General Electric company. I've been a career HR person. Um, Nobody else wants me. So... Uh, I've been in HR for a really long time. I started my career with Unilever uh, and then went to work for PepsiCo. So had an opportunity to work across different kinds of businesses and in different geographies till I decided that I wanted to come back to India because this is where uh, the action is. Uh, you know, that's where the growth is. Uh, and that's where the, you know, uh, the maximum opportunity to support the business from a talent perspective will be and I have to say that um, really benefited from that decision. Yeah, that's good. And I'm sure plenty of other people would want you, Piyush. And it's, it's fascinating that you've obviously been 17 years there at Genpact as a CHRO. I'd love to hear just uh, just your thoughts really on on how the role of the CHRO has changed maybe over that time, because it does seem to be in a significant change if we look globally uh, around at that. And also, you know, during that time, Genpact has scaled considerably, hasn't it, since it was spun out of uh, GE Capital. So love to hear your thoughts about how, you know, 
the CHRO has changed full stop, but also how it's changed at Genpact, I guess, as you've grown as an organization. So, you know, David, I'll tell you, this is, um, and this is my fundamental thesis as well, based on my learning at, at Genpact and in the HR function. I actually don't think the role of the uh, CHRO has changed fundamentally uh, ever since I started my career in HR. I think the needs are pretty much the same, which is, you know, make sure that the organization has top quality talent at the right place and at the right time, and then find a way to uh, enable that talent to be able to stay on in the company uh, and continue to build that talent engine. I don't think that has changed ever since I started working. What has changed to the point that you are making is the context in which a lot of us do our work. What has changed is the influence that data and technology has had. The tools available to us as HR professionals and as business professionals to fulfill the talent needs of the organization have become more and more sophisticated, if you will. The pace of that change has become faster, if you will. But the fundamental needs remain the same. So if I if I step back and and think about, you know, what are fundamentally people looking for? What do they come to work in an enterprise for? Or what do they come to work at Genpack for? It is, in my view, four reasonably simple things. Number one, what is the company they're going to work for? What's the purpose of that company? What's the culture of the company, etc.? Number two. What is the quality of leaders and what is the quality of manager that an individual works with? The third is what are the rewards which that individual will get? Then that rewards can manifest themselves in financial rewards, but other rewards as well. And then the fourth one is, you know, what is my career going to be like? Which includes the quality of work that I do, you know, the kind of people I interact with, what's the learning and development that I get, all of those things. Now, these four fundamental reasons why people took a come to work, in my view, have not changed. The context, however, of this has changed based on, you know, what I talked about earlier, advances in technology, pandemic, so on and so forth. And some of the implications of that are the half-life of skills now is possibly three to four years. So the, the pace at which skills are becoming irrelevant and relevant and therefore, you know, that has changed. The, the hybrid plus remote environment has created, I think, a lesser level of anchor which organizations have to employees or employees have to organizations. You know, the swipe left, I reject, swipe right, I accept kind of uh, environment uh, has happened. Uh, employee experience has become usually critical and well-being has become very important. In all of these changes, technology has dramatically enhanced the way in which we can better fulfill those fundamental needs of employees. So, you know, that's kind of a long answer, but it's my fundamental thesis uh, that, you know, HR needs of organizations are not very complicated. And it's very easy to get lost in all the concepts that come out, you know, which are flavor of the week, flavor of the month, if you will. And I think to stay anchored in this is what we will promise to our employees or this is what we will endeavor to provide to our employees. And 
using that as the North Star to navigate for the function becomes hugely important. Because otherwise, what happens is functions, um, HR functions, David, run the risk of becoming an end in themselves. And that's, if you, if you if I were to step back and say, at what point of time do I see HR organizations with the highest credibility with business? It's when they're able to create a very simple North Star which helps satisfy business needs uh, and not complicate things to uh, flavor of the month. That That's a really good point, Piyush. And, and I think it sets up the conversation nicely because we, we're going to dive into some of the great work that you've been doing at Genpact uh, around enhancing employee experience. You know, what, what are your views on how employees can attract and then retain the, 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 the best talent and, and provide a great employee experience, I guess? Now, as we think about employee experience, uh, leading from the purpose to our ways of working, you know, I'll start with Amber. You referred to it briefly. Amber is our engagement tool. It measures employee engagement. In addition to that, it's also providing us a more nuanced view on if an employee is highly engaged, why is she highly engaged? If an employee is not highly engaged, why is she not highly engaged? And therefore, it's a call to action for us to make sure that, uh, you know, that we act on what Amber brings us back. Now, the way it provides that nuance is based on initial responses. Amber then asks questions to the employee which are customized to that employee's early responses. Uh, and that's where the AI part of it comes in. The, the machine learns constantly and gets smarter and smarter uh, as we do more and more of these engagement interactions. Now, Interestingly, David, this is so important to us that the top 150 people of the company, their bonus plans are driven, driven by two financial metrics and one engagement metric, which is the AMBER score. So the bonus pool for our CEO, myself, and 150 other top leaders of Genpact has three metrics that determine the outcome of our bonus. One of those is our AMBER score, which is a multiplier of the engagement score and the response rate. Uh, that's how cr critical it is uh, It is for us uh, that it's been in place for the last three years. So that's about AMBER. The second part of it is genome. Four years back, we took a decision to go entirely virtual in all the learning that we provide. We have 10 million hours of learning that has happened on that platform. We have 40,000 active users every month on Geno. And it, in my view, it has become the new way of working in Genpact in terms of the way we think about learning and development. So, you know, that's on, on Geno. The third one is our internal marketplace, Talent Match, which, you know, takes the people who are upskilled by Geno and marries them to open jobs. More than, as we speak, 17,000 people have been able this year to find roles through what we call our talent match, which is our internal marketplace. So the ability to match skills with jobs, uh, again, is where technology and analytics comes in. And then finally, um, you know, a really interesting tool called the water cooler, uh, the virtual water cooler, 
this is designed uh, in partnership with Microsoft. Fundamentally, what happened during COVID and the pandemic was that people weren't hanging around and having corridor conversations because people weren't hanging around together. And, you know, what that did, what it told us was that there are certain people with which all of us have strong ties at work. These are the people I will maintain my connect with in any case, whether I'm remote, working remote or not. But there are those weak ties, people I interacted with at the water cooler, uh, people I interacted with just walking the corridor. That didn't happen anymore. And there is a very important need to be able to ensure that those weak ties are quote-unquote strengthened. And the virtual water cooler basically again looked at metadata of email traffic and came back and said that, you know, Piyush used to interact with David once in two months by virtue of working remote. That interaction is not happening. And therefore, the virtual water cooler will get into our calendars and will schedule a 15-minute shoot-the-breeze conversation between David and Piyush. So, you know, these were the four specific things that I wanted to talk to you about to give you an example of how we've been able to focus on experience uh, at this time of transition. And again, the important thing is we didn't try to do 200 things. We probably tried to do six things. We failed in two and we stayed with four. This podcast episode is brought to you by Equate, the strategic workforce planning technology that helps you plan for the workforce you need tomorrow, today. Discover the power of your people. Ensure you have the right workforce to meet your purpose. Extend the power to plan to every corner of your organization. Learn more at equate.ai forward slash insight 222. That's EQ, the number eight, dot AI forward slash I-N-S-I-G-H-T, the number two, the number two, the number two. When, we, when you think of the initiatives around Amber, around Genome, around Talent Match, and, and even virtual, the virtual water cooler, you know, how um, have these initiatives and the data that you get from it, how's that helped to drive some of the performance of Genpact itself, the organizational performance? Sure. So, uh, you know, first is um, it impacts the money we make uh, personally. Uh, I talked about our, uh, you know, bonus program and engagement metrics determining that. Uh, but more importantly, David, think about an organization of 120,000 people. You know, the moments of truth in our organization where employees are interacting with customers and end customers of our clients are very, very high. And while, you know, my reference to bonus was partly serious and partly facetious, at the end of the day, the, the growth of the company totally and entirely depends on the engagement and the skill levels of those 120,000 people. And in, in a competitive world like we have today, our clients will take their business elsewhere if they're not happy, just like our employees will take their services elsewhere if they're not happy. Uh, and therefore, our view to performance actually is hugely fundamental 
in saying that there is a direct transfer function between engaged and capable employees and the existence of our company, whether you look at you know revenue, margin, EPS, whatever metric you want to take, client satisfaction, we have no doubt that there is very direct correlation. And the fact that we've been able to grow to the 120,000 employees or to the you know, eight and a half billion dollar market cap uh, is is pretty much completely driven by that. So I I don't think we we have any doubts in our mind. Now that's on the macro goals or the bigger goals, if you will. But at the end of the day, the biggest piece on this is, and and this is again, I I you know I started talking a little bit about my own philosophy on this. Business growth is the most important thing for people growth. If your business is growing everything else will take care of itself. And and the transfer function from people engagement to that is, uh, in my view, uh, very, very powerful. Yeah, and, and what would you say, um, Piyush, too? Because we see companies that are making the link between engagement and talent outcomes, such as retention and mobility and everything else. But what, what, what you've done, obviously, is you've taken it a step further. You've actually you've connected it to business outcomes, such as growth and profit margins and and all the other financial metrics, but also customer outcomes as well. You know, what would you say to companies that are maybe struggling to make that final step? You know, like I said, it started with, we benefited from being a part of an organization which at one point of time had great people processes, okay? It's not fashionable to say that anymore, but I will tell you uh, some of the tools and processes that existed in the GE system, and we grew out of that system were huge. Look, I'd love to say the business loves us because, you know, we are a great HR team. But I don't think that's the driver. I think the business loves us because they know how important the talent agenda is. They own it as much as we own it. And, you know, we are enablers for the business and the business are enablers for us. Now, that kind of culture, David, is not established overnight. I mean, I, you know, I don't have a simple recipe for suggesting that that gets done. In, in our case, I think we, we were fortunate that we, in some ways, uh, you know, many things came together and that happened. I could have spent nine months in figuring out what are going to be the most important skills four years from now. I could have done competency research. I could have done, you know, all kinds of stuff. Jenny and I just sat down and used common sense and said, let's spend our time and effort in executing this damn well rather than trying to make a perfect design. And business likes that. They like the fact that we respond fast. They like the fact that we are iterative in the way we think. They like the fact that we don't want to be defensive and say, you know, our model is perfect. So all of that thinking, I think, becomes important. I would say have a purpose. That's very important for an organization. I'd say focus on the basics. In my view, those four basics are super critical. Okay, and I'll, I'll, I'll talk to them again, you know, just to make sure. The purpose of the organization, uh, the quality of leaders and manager, the rewards and the career. Focus on those and leverage everything to be able to do that well. You know, I, I tell people in my team, every year you have a scorecard. But in that scorecard, do what you need to do to take care of the scorecard. But do one thing so well that it is your legacy for that year. People remember you for that. Don't try and do 25 things because we'll not be able to scale them. 
We hope you're enjoying this episode of the Digital HR Leaders podcast. If you are looking to continue your learning journey, head over to myhrfuture.com and take a look at the My HR Future Academy. It is a learning experience platform supporting HR professionals to become more data-driven, more business-focused, and more experience-led. By taking our short assessment, you will see how you stack up against the HR skills of the future. Then, our recommended learning journeys guide you every step of the way, helping you to close your skills gap, deepen your knowledge, and press play on your career. Obviously, there's a lot of press around HR technology. There's there's a lot of investment in the area. There's new names emerging all the time. Some of the big players are got a huge market market cap on them. What are your views on how many tools? Doesn't need to be a number, but you know, how many tools an HR function should use to support their function? And and then and the little addition there in terms of generative AI, you know, how do you think that's going to impact? ways of working perhaps, but also the ways we deliver HR to our employees. And also, how are you thinking of using, what are, what are your earlier thoughts around how you're thinking of using it at, um, at Genpack? Because obviously, you've been using AI for a long time in, in HR, which many organizations haven't. You know, So yeah, I'd love to hear your thoughts on, on that area. So you know, to your point, we, this is not new for us. Uh, we've been down this path before. We've been down, um, you know, again, uh, if you were to pick up what's in the being said in the broader ecosystem, even when AI came out, people said jobs are going to go away. It's going to, you know, the reality is I'll give you, you know, going back to our example of Amber, uh, our engagement tool. Yeah, sure. The number of people running the engagement tool came down, but the number of people we needed to act on the insights, uh, which came out from Amber actually increased. And therefore we got huge benefit from it. You know, Think about genome, the 10 million hours of learning or the 40K learners every month. Yeah, sure, instructional design went out of the window. Uh, classroom training went out of the window. But, you know, the number of people who are helping us with analytics and insights and gurus and master gurus in that learning process has just multiplied by 10 times. I think the impact of technology is actually very profound. It is, as has been said famously, overstated in the long run and overstated in the short run and understated in the long run. I would say the same thing for generative AI. We are very excited uh, about uh, the opportunities it holds for us both uh, as a business and within the HR function as well. I think there are going to be some very profound implications of a very different scale than what happened when people went down the RPA path. I think this is very different. Lots of things to be discovered, lots of, you know, lots of people talking about potential downfalls as well. But that's true of any development in technology. We see massive, massive application. I'll give you two or three examples that we are working on as we speak. 15,000 frontline supervisors. Today, if they have a challenge in managing their team, they either go to Genome or they go to their supervisor and say, I have X person in my team. Tomorrow, you can have a simple one-on-one supervisory effectiveness Q&A built into, you know, a generative AI model. Very powerful. 
you know, think about entire curricula built around channels. Uh, so I talked to you about, as an example, take AI or take conflict management as one or two skill areas of those 50 skill areas that I talked about. Curating and building that material for a guru would take anywhere between, I'd say, 40 to 50 hours. And then you build quizzes around it. Another 10 hours. Generally, way I can do it in two hours based on a demo I saw yesterday. Very powerful implications of what you can do with that. I think in HR, you know, when I speak to a lot of your, your peers in, in other organizations, there is definitely this fear of failure. And you've got a very different approach, you know, like you like you did with, with Genome. You know, the two of you were, were in the room, you're picking 50 skills. You, you said you got, got a 80% right, 20% wrong and obviously you can change those it was it was about getting something out there that people could use a bit quickly you know how do you breed that mindset into into people not just in hr but across the business because i'm guessing that's something that's a, a part of a part of the culture at genpack great catch david so it's actually one of the uh you know if i were to pick our a statement of culture which is built around the concept called ci square uh it's one of the key tenets of ci square which is fail fast. Now, what we're trying to say here is it's okay to take risks. It's important to take risks to learn. But it's important to not continue to, you know, build on something just because there is ego behind it and because we picked it once. Because the world around us is changing too fast. Sometimes these are not within our control. And therefore, uh, our CEO talks about this often. It is folklore in Genpack to say, you know, the term fail fast is pretty much understood by most people in the company. What we don't like is to not do anything for fear of trying or fear of failure. But what we also don't want is for people to continue to push an agenda because of the fear of failure. In today's interconnected world where everything is interdependent, you know, the reasons for failure may not lie internally. Uh, and and therefore, it's fine to do that. And and to your point, therefore, I, I, I say that's a great catch because it is a fundamental part of our culture and we are totally okay with that. I think it's really good. I think for people listening to this, you know, it's such an important element of HR, you know, and, and, and particularly as we bring in more, you know, analytics and technology, you know, it's science at the end of the day. If we think back to when we did science at school, you do experiments, some of them work, some of them don't. And in the you said, if they don't work, learn from it, move on. You know, I think that's the key thing. Don't just keep trying to to to, to do it if it's not going to work. If it's, you know, if whatever program it is you're trying to trying to create from it. So yeah, I think if, this was, if this sorry to speak over you, but if no, no, this that's company wasn't open to fail fast, I would have been fired a long time back. <laughs> well, there's a good lesson for people, and as as you know, from, from the start, Piyush has been CHRO at, at Genpack for for 17 years. So Piyush, I can't believe we've already got to the, the end of our um, our conversation, but this is the final question. So this is a question we're asking everyone on this series, you know, and I think you've talked to this a little bit, so you might want to, to summarize here at the end. What is the role of HR in, in helping companies plan effectively for the future of work? So I guess we've been about workforce planning here a little bit, but I guess it's, you know, I'm going to be quiet and let you talk. Actually, David, it's um, to me, it's a bit broader than that. The way I would respond to that is, you know, the and, and I talked to it earlier as well in some ways. I, I think what the people agenda does 
uh, is just so fundamental to delivering the company's um, short-term and long-term objectives. Uh, it's beyond just planning, you know, the the future of work. It's it's delivering to, uh, you know, the future of business, and and that that's why sometimes it's too important to leave just to the HR function. And I see it as partnership with with business and the function. I don't see my function as owning the people agenda uh, in a in a power equation over business. Um, I see both of us as enablers to each other, and I think that becomes really important. Uh, what do we need to deliver on? We need to deliver on talent management. We need to deliver on uh, change management in the organization. We need to deliver on employee experience in the organization. We need to deliver on um, you know diversity and inclusion, uh, DEI in the broader sense of the word. You know, not just ticking off numbers, but uh, you know diversity of thought, uh, diversity of action. We those are the agendas which um, you know we need to own with the business, and you know in all of this is embedded engagement. In all of this is engagement culture. In all of this is embedded skilling and upskilling, which is going to become so important. In all of this is embedded purpose. So uh, it's kind of you know all comes together in the future of business. Peace. Thank you very much. A, a great way to finish our conversation. You know, you and the team at, at Genpact are doing some incredible work you know and, and and thank you for sharing some of the insights about you know about amber about genome about talent match um and all the other things that you're doing there but i think more importantly actually the approach um that you take to to hr and people management at genpact i think listeners are gonna learn a lot um from this episode so thank you very much for being on the show um can you let listeners know how they can keep in touch with you on on social media and find out more about your work at genpact Yes, absolutely. So, David, first of all, thank you so much for uh, you know allowing us to share our learning and our journey. Um, you know, really appreciate that. On um, social media, I'm on Twitter at Piyush Mehta three two two, LinkedIn at Piyush Mehta. Uh, that's P I Y U S H M E H T A. Uh, and uh, as a company, you can get to know us at genpack.com and our LinkedIn, Twitter, YouTube, and Facebook channels. Perfect. Well, thank you very much, um, Piyush. Um, I'm hoping I'll be in India again soon, and uh, you know, hopefully we'll, we'll meet in person uh, one day, and certainly looking forward to connecting with, with Prafal again as well. So thank you very much for being a, a guest on the show. We'd love to have you over. Uh, look forward to hosting you, David. Well, that's it for this episode of the Digital HR Leaders Podcast. A big thank you once again to Piyush Meheta, for sharing the compelling journey of how GenPact creates a positive employee experience. If you did enjoy this episode, please don't forget to hit the subscribe button and leave us a five-star rating on your preferred podcast streaming channel so that we can keep producing the show. For more from us at Insight 222, be sure to subscribe to the podcast and you can sign up for our weekly newsletter by going to myhrfuture.com. That's all for now. Thanks for tuning in. And we'll be back next week with another episode of the Digital HR Leaders Podcast. Take care and stay well.